I love art museums. And in recent years, I've had multiple chances to attend a few. And one thing I've noticed repeatedly is the vast breadth of color and emotion represented in the displayed art. Incredible paintings of bright flower gardens on warm days are balanced by emotional paintings of dark caverns or shrouded faces. I've come to appreciate the tug on my emotions as I feel, often in the same room, enlightened and pained, lifted by beauty and confronted with ugliness. Well, in our study this week, we figuratively walk through the art gallery of Jeremiah and feel many of those same emotions as we search for truths that can sustain us in moments of needed perseverance. Welcome to the Scripture Study Project. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and this is our podcast where we study Scripture with you. Our goal each week is to help you discover new or renewed excitement for God and His Word, invest your heart and personal life into your study, and connect with others as you teach and learn together. Hello and welcome back um, to me, actually. I guess I'm telling myself welcome back. Welcome back. Many of you have maybe hopefully been here because Zach, my amazing co-host, has taken over for... Yeah, anyone is still left. I was listening to the last episode and you said that it was five episodes that I was gone for. And I promise I did not purposely plan. I'm talking to you listeners. I did not, pers- I did not purposely plan to skip out on Isaiah. I but then when it was like oh it's Isaiah again like you know what Zach you got this I did the first one and and can I just give you a standing sitting ovation. sitting ovation <laughs> um yeah I we just I needed a break so thanks for giving it to me Zach probably needs a break too I think you owe me a back scratch I, I think I do I owe you five I five guess back. I'll take it I'll take it anyway. We are back together, and I'm I'm happy to be back. It was good for me. We needed a little something different. Um, we are ending five years of this podcast very soon, and we were just counting. I think we have like 10 episodes left. Can you even believe that it's almost the end of the year? And um, But we're going to do it, and we're going to finish out strong, and not sure what we're doing yet, but we'll get there later. Because today, what's most important is that we are starting our study of Jeremiah Um, We are studying kind of the first section. Next week we'll be studying the latter half of Jeremiah, but we're excited to dig in today. Zach, do you have anything you need to follow up on from last week's or the last five episodes? Nope. I'm glad that you're you're here. I'm glad that your voice is back on. (laughs) You you don't have to be the lone voice anymore. You know, I think I've said this before, but... Zach, originally, my idea was that Zach needed to start a podcast. Then he's like, I never want to talk on it alone. So I kind of felt bad that I, we made it all this time and then I kind of ditched out on you. Back scratches. Back scratches. Got it. Okay. Sounds good. Well, we, uh, this week is, as Krista just said, the beginning couple of chapters of Jeremiah. And hopefully, I I was asking a group of uh, seminary teachers yesterday what their to to rate their experience in Jeremiah over the past couple of weeks with seminary students, ranging from 10 being, uh, or sorry, with rate their experience with Isaiah, uh, range, ranging from 10 being Isaiah himself showed up and we had a great time, to one being, yeah, that, we just that skipped That was a it. very seminary <laughs> teacher joke you just gave, by the way. <laughs> well, I was encouraged to see uh, the range, average range, was probably around seven. Uh, there were some eights. Uh, there were some threes. Um, but as I asked what it was about Isaiah for those that had higher numbers, what it was about Isaiah that they appreciated and that that they felt their students had a meaningful experience with. 
It was that they were able to successfully see how Isaiah pointed them and their students to Christ. As we said at the very beginning of our study of Isaiah, if you want the number one tip for navigating Isaiah, it is to look for Christ. Uh, because Isaiah is a very, uh, very focused on the coming Messiah and the relief that he brings. Jeremiah is in some ways very similar to Isaiah. Uh, he's 150 years later. Of course, we know Jeremiah because he's the, the a prophet that is preaching at the same time that Lehi is in Jerusalem, warning about Babylonian attacks and, and potential captivity. Whereas Isaiah is the prophet to Judah that says, if you don't repent, then what happened to the northern kingdom of Israel, meaning Assyria came in and conquered them, will happen to you. That's Isaiah's message. It's a message of warning. Jeremiah's message is a little bit different. And it starts in chapter 1. He says in verse 9, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. Uh, those couplets probably shouldn't be separated by commas like our King James does. So there's three things uh, Jeremiah is commanded to do. One, to root out and pull down. He is supposed to extract like a venom from Israel, from Judah, um, this poison that has brought them so much pain and suffering. Then he used to destroy and to throw down their external uh, idolatry or, or unfaithfulness. He'll use that imagery multiple times in his writings that, that uh, Israelites have been unfaithful to the Lord in their marriage relationship. And then on with that rooted out and pulled down and destroyed, then he has the, the responsibility to build and to plant. Now, first of all, when Jeremiah is given this commission, he himself is probably a, a child, at least young enough to be living in his parents' home. There's indications that he's living at home. So this is not Jeremiah the aged prophet speaking yet. He'll, he'll preach for many years. But he's young. He's given this overwhelming mission that is two-thirds at least uh, to, to, to proclaim not the coming of a Messiah or the hope that he'll bring, but the consequences and the judgments of God. Jeremiah's message is we didn't do what we should have done, and therefore we're now in captivity and we're now in bondage. Which let's just give him some credit for that. It yeah. kind of, that kind of explains a lot of the sentiments that we feel as this as the book goes on of him not not having a great job. I mean, that's kind of a hard, well, kind of. That's a hard job. It's not preaching tidings of great joy necessarily, but he really is bringing the doom and gloom and has a hard assignment. Yeah. In fact, just forward a couple of chapters. I know this, this one isn't, oh no, it is. It's in our Come Follow Me block. But uh, chapter seven, verse 27 the Lord says to Jeremiah, Thou shalt speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken to thee. Thou wilt also call unto them, but they will not answer thee. Um, by the account in Jeremiah, it looks like Jeremiah only had two people that believed him. His scribe and an Ethiopian man that comes in later in the story. Those are the only two people that believe Jeremiah, even though he is called upon by kings, uh, by, by Zedekiah, the king of, of Judah, 
for advice and for counsel, that king doesn't listen to him, turns away from him. And so Jeremiah has this really depressing mission. Um, If you go to the end of our block this week in chapter 20, Jeremiah says this in verses 7 and 8. O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. He's put into prison multiple times. Uh, He's threatened with death, uh, almost comes close to dying a little bit later on in next week's block. And so Jeremiah is the prototype for someone that is called to do something important and has all of the reasons to feel and does indeed feel depressed, um, discouraged because there is almost no visible sign of success. Unlike previous prophets that have had converts and miracles and and some kind of sign that they were a prophet, that the Lord's favor was upon them. Jeremiah doesn't have that, uh, which makes him a really compelling character to study and his writings really compelling to study because this is someone that is uh, steeped in in, in uh, sadness, in, in depression, in despair. Well, let's dig just a little bit deeper into this and you'll get the feeling of this. There's many verses of him lamenting and saying, why, why is this happening? And why is this so hard? But again, in verse um, chapter 20 that Zach already read from, if you come down to verse 14, he says, may the day I was born be cursed. May the day my mother bore me never be blessed. May the man be cursed who brought the news to my father saying a male child is born to you, bringing him great joy. Um, Here's a person who was not very excited. Well, that's a wrong way to put it. An understatement. (laughs) An understatement to put it. Um, He was was saddened and he was frustrated and he was, like Zach said, discouraged and depressed. And I think this is a really good thing for us to look at um, because we all know this feeling very well. I have, I've come across just a a statement about, about Jeremiah, a little more about this. I think that Jeremiah becomes a really great example of for us how to handle these feelings as we get his examples of praying to God and really turning to him and complaining to God. I think that we can learn something from that. Let's use that a little more often. But here's something that comes from the study Bible that I'm currently studying from. It says, as with Job, God permits his servants to express deep grief at their human frailty and inability to endure the man's of God's will. The powerful and perhaps shocking sentiments recorded here show Jeremiah as a frail man whose faith sometimes wavered and whose God is patient and sovereign in his intent to, to, to fulfill the words he has spoken through his servant. Um, I guess I was really touched by some of these ideas of Jeremiah expressing and being with God in his grief. I think that that can be a really powerful way to... Um, remind us that it's normal. It's normal to feel these feelings and to feel them through and say, I'm not doing this right and it's really hard and I'm discouraged and turning to God in our grief. There's a line also in that same quote, I'm just looking at it, that said verbalizing it was part of his relationship with the Lord. And it made me think of our own human relationships. They're not always, nor are they required to be always positive. 
right? When we have discussions in order to have a healthy marriage relationship, there has to be space for us to talk about grief and pain and frustration and sorrow and depression and sadness and all of that. And we would hope that that's not the only thing that we talk about. And I would hope that's not the majority of things that we talk about, but there does need to be that space. And I love this idea that in our relationship with God, Jeremiah gives us maybe some license to have that space with God, to have um, our, our have expression, to express our sorrow, our frustration, our sadness with with Him, and to know that He hears that, is aware of it, allows for it, and has a response to it. So. What we thought would be helpful as as we studied this, there was a question that kind of motivated us, and it was the question of when we are faced with depression, despair, when we're trying to do something difficult that isn't working, and there's no visible external sign that it is working, what is it that can help us? What truths or principles or ideas can help us persist and persevere? when there may not be a successful result of everything that we're we're supposed to be doing. And um, in our study, you'll find many more things in yours that are personal and powerful to you. But as we studied, we found three different images, uh, symbols, if you will, that Jeremiah uses to describe, I think, what's motivating him and what's pushing him onward, or, or three images that describe what the Lord is teaching Jeremiah to help him persevere. So the first image is that of a plant and the idea of watering a plant, the necessary means to keep a plant alive. Um, And first, this is God talking to Jeremiah in verse um, chapter two, verse 13. For my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and dug cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. The idea that um, they were turning their um, cups into something that didn't work anymore, wasn't able to water this plant, and um, the disappointment that God felt with that. And then in verse 21, um, him telling Jeremiah again, I planted you a choice vine from the very best seed. But that's what he's investing in. He's investing in his people. He wants his people to follow him and see him, and he's planted us, and he wants us to In part, I think we're responsible for part of our watering. I think that's what he's referring to. Like, you left this fountain of living water, and I need you to be there with me. Yeah, you left the source of water, Mm -hmm. and you can't expect to thrive when you've left the source of water. Uh, That image shows up again in chapter 17. Uh, This is verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like a heath or a tree in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land and not inhabited. And then the converse, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall she cease from yielding fruit. Um, as we were talking about this, I, I have this really vague memory that I, I, I practice putting into words with you, so maybe I can explain it better here. But somewhere in my memory, I have this image in my grandpa's garden. He had a garden in his backyard. I don't remember if this was me or one of my cousins were really young, but we were asked to go out and water the plants. 
and whoever it was, uh, we'll just say it was me in this case, was, was watering the leaves of the plant, spraying the leaves with water, you know, age four or five or whatever, thinking that that's what you do to water a plant. And grandpa came out and corrected and said, no, you don't water the leaves of the plant. You put the hose right next to the trunk, right next to the base of the plant so that it seeks deep and into the roots. Um, you can attest to this, but I, I have couple of years ago, we moved into a home and we lived next to a guy that I called the lawn god. And I had this ongoing battle with him and his lawn was always green and rich and lush and mine wasn't. And so I started this kind of obsession with learning how to make really green lawns. And one of the cardinal rules of having a green lawn is you water deep and long, not frequent and shallow. So when it's the heat of the summer, you don't water every single day. You water two or three times a week and you water really deep and really long so that the water gets to the roots. And as I thought of that and compared it to this, I thought, um, this water that comes to us, it's not watering the leaves, it's watering the roots. For Jeremiah, the relief that there's there's no relief that comes to him. There's no visible sign of success. And so the strength that the Lord provides isn't by removing the heat or making his greens, his leaves artificially green. It's by providing him with nourishment and strength at a really base level, deep level that can keep him going even in the midst of a drought or, or heat. So I think how these verses or this image of the watering of a plant, um, how that answers our question, I think that comes in a few different ways. And I think that one means, you know, this the um, struggles that we go through or the hard times that we go through, um, God isn't necessarily going to make us happy on the outside, but he's very interested in these deep set, um, the peace and the, the comfort that come inside. He's not necessarily going to make things easy or look better for mm-hmm. us, but that he can help us deep down inside. Maybe he's, he's not going to make the lawn green. He's going to make the lawn strong, right? In the summer, your lawn mm-hmm. is supposed to be yellow because the grass is dormant. And it's that time when the roots are going really deep to tap the water that's deep. If you never give the lawn that chance to go deep, it never has the roots strong enough to last uh, through really difficult times. And so he's not greening the lawn. He's not watering the leaves. He's watering the roots. I love that. Um, I also think another one, as I reread this verse that I read before, a choice vine, um, remembering deep down who we are, that um, that we've been planted by him and that he's very interested in, as he says in verse 13 again, the fountain of living water. He's interested in helping us nourish and grow and be deeply rooted. I really like that. Um, the second image that we saw is in chapter 18, when Jeremiah kind of goes on a field trip, uh, whether it's a real one or, or a, a mental one, in verse two, he's commanded to go down to the potter's house. And there he observes a potter making this vase or vessel with clay. And it says in verse four, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And I love that image. I've always loved that image that we are clay in God's hands. But that image also comes with a pretty harsh reality that in order for clay to be molded, it's got to be pushed and prodded and stretched and bent. And sometimes the thing that you build, the thing that that's being built 
isn't what you thought it originally was, and maybe it doesn't work the way that it was originally planned, and so it has to be reshaped and rebuilt. And it's this iterative process of building something, forming something really strong. Yeah, talk about discouragement or possibly depression is that idea of something not working. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's you. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> at working. Points, yeah, where you have to be remolded into something, and um, those moments can feel really frustrating and hard isn't that reality though how many times it's frustrating when project a b or c doesn't work it's far more frustrating when i notice that i'm not working i think they're both hard (laughs) they're both hard when you think like this is it i i think i have this figured out this is where we're headed and then it's not and it's changed but i think that's an important so are you in my hands house of israel that he is looking out for us even when those directions change or maybe our feelings and thoughts change. So that makes me then want to ask the question, and Krista, I'm going to ask it to you. Since I'm the only one here. Since you're the only one here. <laughs> what is that? Uh, I, I love the image. What I wrestle with is how does that apply to me when I'm feeling discouraged about either the project not working or, or myself not working or both maybe? Um what's the application of clay in the potter's hand to a a practical situation where I'm feeling discouraged because something I'm trying to do doesn't work well? I think that the first thing I think of is actually based on some of this verse here where it talks about um, that the idea of, of change, like this is a change of shape, a change of form. So the first thing didn't work and um, we're set to reshape and to remold ourselves. And so I think one answer, at least in my mind, is that um, being comfortable with change is really important to God, that we recognize that much as Jeremiah faced, that change is part of the discouraging and possibly depressing part of life, is that life does change and move on. And sometimes that's really hard. Um, and I think that that happens, like we talked about before, is when project A or project C or part of big, huge part of your life, B or D, whatever it is, um, doesn't work that, um, maybe God's helping us. Maybe the, maybe the idea of him as the, the potter's, the potter is that, um, he's going to help us pivot and change our life Mm. and that he'll be there in those changes, even when it feels kind of rough and hard on us. We've talked about this a lot, even in terms of our relationship with, uh, with our own faith and with the church, right? Um, My experience with God, my expectation of what that experience is, is different when I'm eight compared to when I'm 16, compared to when I'm 25, compared to when I'm, you know, now in my mid thirties, late thirties. And I, if that pattern holds true, I should expect that that relationship to continue to mold and change. I, I'm going to feel different and expect different things when I'm in my 40s and 50s, etc. And maybe sometimes when we get too glued to what this shape of this vase should be, then it starts to crack when it's molded, as opposed to coming at it and realizing, no, this vase is going to change multiple times over the years. I'm going to change multiple times over the years. And maybe that's why we're compared to to clay instead of a pot that has already been formed because Mm. that's just not how humans are that we do have this changing process. I mean, part of that is really hard. 
because as humans, we have to try and understand like, oh great, I'm changing and growing and God's changing the way that he speaks to me or what he thinks about me. Um, I shouldn't say the way he thinks about me. That's probably not right. But he changes because we change. And together we have this relationship of trying to figure out um, the expectation, like any other relationship. And I think that we could possibly see it as maybe something discouraging. But as you were talking about, Zach, that idea of the change of growth of how we see God and how we see ourselves over time, it's kind of intimidating thinking like, oh, I thought that I'd get to this point of like, I'm almost 40. I should like have life figured out. But we know that that's not true. Unfortunately, I had to get to be almost 40 to figure that out. I thought maybe I would have it figured out. But it's also really kind of exciting to think, I'm going to keep learning and growing and God's going to keep changing and growing with me and guiding me and helping me. So it's actually kind of exciting that I have this more mature view of God and of myself than I did when I was 12 or than I did when I was 16. I think that's really So we can look at that as a really maybe motivating factor instead. Well, I really like that, especially because I think it connects to our, our last, the last image that we saw. This is in Jeremiah chapter 20. We already read the first couple of verses seven and eight where Jeremiah describes how he's feeling. And then he says in verse nine, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. In other words, I'm giving up. And yet he says, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay or I could not stop. In other words, Jeremiah has something inside of him, this fire that's burning so strongly and so passionately that he can't not continue and persevere, even though he knows that it's not going to work the way that maybe he would want it to. Uh, And to me, that's a really compelling image, Uh, a fire shut up in my bones that compels me to speak and act and move and do uh, what I've been asked to or what I feel I should. I really like that description, actually, because as I was looking of it's kind of what does like what does keep you going? You know, for him, it's this fire. Um, And I think I kind of understand that as I was looking, because in some of the things that that God says to Jeremiah in these verses reminds him of who he is and his power and also his um, steadiness that he's there with them. I'm looking specifically in chapter 3, verse 14. Um, Return you faithless children. This is the Lord's declaration. For I am your master and I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. I will give you shepherds who are loyal to me and they will shepherd you with knowledge and skill. And it goes on. And we've heard many many verses like this in Jeremiah. And although sometimes I I think, I don't know, what, what does give me this reassurance that he's that he's there or what does make me want to not get discouraged. And I think that's part of that answer is this fire, this idea that, um, and maybe even testing and trying out and testing your faith to see, does God really feel that way for me? And I have to say that I agree. I agree with these things, like remembering that God is our master and he'll take us and he'll lead us. And all of these reassuring things that he says, um, didn't solve the problems for Jeremiah, but they certainly helped him make it through. And I think that's very similar for what we can experience. They fueled the fire. They watered the roots, right? They 
they gave him strength to persevere even if they didn't outright solve the problems that he was facing. Now, those are just three images that we found. You'll find other truths and answers that will be more powerful to you because they'll be more specific to you. But I think it is a really powerful and helpful question to study ourselves as we answer, as we study this week and ask, what is it that keeps me going? Or what should, what do I want to keep me going as I persevere? Thank you so much for studying with us this week. We will see you next episode.